here's a low overhead side hustle you might already be a consumer of. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because reports of emails death are greatly exaggerated. Now, letting a brand or a person or a service into your inbox today is a big deal. And in this episode, I want to explore the idea of creating a newsletter-based business for yourself. It's a business model I'm excited about right now. And in this episode, we'll take a look at how they work, how they gain signups, how they make money, and more. And you may already be a recipient, a reader of this type of business yourself, like I am. So you probably already have a sense of what you like and what you don't like. We're going to do this today through the lens of podcastguests.com. It's a newsletter and online directory that Andrew Alleman started as a side project back in 2016 and has since grown to over 19,000 subscribers and over 500 paying directory members. You'll find the full text summary of this episode, along with links to all the resources mentioned at SideHustleNation.com slash Andrew. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Andrew after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. I have been hosting my own podcast for a while. I have a blog and podcast about domain names, of all things. And after doing about 50 podcast recordings, so about 50 guests, I was really at the end of my Rolodex. I think I told, talked to most of the people that had an interesting story in my industry. So I wanted to find new people. And I, I went out and I, I looked for ways to get new and interesting guests that I might not be familiar with. And it wasn't easy. There are services out there that are agency models that say, hey, we'll help you book people, but they charge a lot of money. And there, there was no simple way to do it yourself, if you will. And so that's where the idea for podcastguests.com came around. Kind of a self-service platform. Exactly. Exactly. This is at domainnamewire.com? That's correct. Are you still hosting that? Yes. That podcast is up to 275 episodes, I think, weekly episodes. So that's been going on for a while. And I do find guests from my own service for it, so it's it's definitely served the purpose there. Okay. That was the next question. Well, did it work? So I guess I guess it did. <laughs> it did. It did. And apparently it worked for a lot of other people too. So Yeah, that's awesome. What was your first step in getting this off the ground? This is like I would normally caution people against starting some sort of marketplace or matchmaking thing because it's this balance of supply and demand. Like there's no reason for a host to sign up if there aren't any guests in the directory. There aren't any, isn't a reason for a guest to sign up unless there are hosts, you know, knocking down their door. What did it look like in the, in the very early days? Yeah, that's a great point. I know I was listening to one of your recent shows where you're talking about 15 ways to monetize a website. And one of them was directory. But the truth is that the web is littered with, with directories that have failed. And so I think the important thing here is this didn't start as a directory. It started as an email-based service. And that's still a big component of it. And it's kind of modeled off of this service called Helper Reporter Out or, or HARO, in which reporters send out queries. I'm looking for someone who knows someone who's contracted COVID-19, the coronavirus, and what they're doing to protect themselves, right? And then people respond if, if they're a fit. And so it was the same idea. And so I'm a really big believer in the minimum viable product, the MVP. And so I started this out with just a few different things. Google Forms as kind of my database and data entry for people. And that's free. MailChimp, which is free for up to 2,000 contacts. I think at the time I used lead pages to 
to capture subscriber information to get them to sign up for the service as kind of a landing page. And I think that's maybe around $50 a month. I bought the domain name podcastguests.com. I looked it up yesterday and I, I got a steal in the domain. It was only $300 as as someone who buys and sells domain names as one of my I was going to ask if that was just available off the shelf. So it was a little no, bit aftermarket. No, I, I, bought, I bought it through Cedo in the aftermarket. But again, I was thrilled to get that few hundred dollars. And then basic logo, I think I got that on Fiverr. So I could have started the business for under $500. I decided to invest a little bit more, and I'll talk about that just on, on the marketing side. But essentially for under $500, I was able to get the core of this business set up so that I could start an email list. I had a way to capture subscriber information. I had a way to send out emails to them. And then I had Google on the back end where I could collect information from people and they could kind of apply to be on these shows. And so that that was the starting point. So you were primarily trying to build a list of podcast hosts at the beginning. So this is this is an interesting thing, and and this is a takeaway I'd have for someone who wants to who's struggling with the with the market side of this, right? That you brought up because I still had this on the email side, which is okay. Podcast hosts might be interested, but then I have to have experts for them to interview. Experts don't want to sign up until I can tell them I have podcast hosts on board. The nice thing about podcasting is that hosts are also guests, and guests are also hosts in a lot of cases. So I can go out, you host your own podcast, but you like to be a guest on other podcasts as well. I'm the same way. So if I went out and got, say, 100, 200 podcast hosts, I also at the same time had 100 or 200 guests to match them to. I'm sure there are other businesses out there like that. And I would think about that if I were trying to start a a marketplace of, of some sort where you're trying to do matchmaking. Where did you find it effective to find those initial email signups? So I did a few things. One is I paid someone to go out and capture the email addresses of podcasters. And so this is where I did invest more than $500 up front, just because you know I'm comfortable spending $10,000 to try a business idea out, $10,000, $20,000. I paid someone a few thousand dollars to go collect these email addresses of podcasters. And then I went out and I just started cold emailing them. Now, I did not spam. I didn't do one of these follow-up systems that people have that we're all annoyed at now where it's like, did you get my last email? That sort of thing. I literally sat down and wrote a personalized email to all these people about what I was trying to do, how I was trying to help them out, the fact that it was free, and I'd love to have them on board as one of my one of my first podcasts to help them find guests. So this was a matter of like looking at the top charts in Apple Podcasts and then try and like go to their website, try to find contact information. The interesting thing about RSS feeds for podcasts is they oftentimes include the person's email address in them. So if you can go to the RSS feeds and you can extract their email addresses. Okay. A little bit faster way than digging through contact forms. A little bit faster. Now, in some cases though, I did go to contact forms. If they had a website rather than just emailing them, I figured that might work a little bit better. I did that as well. I even hired someone on Elance and I said, okay, these hundred sites have contact forms. Will you go and submit this message to them? So I, I did do that as well to kind of outsource some of that process while still keeping it authentic, still keeping it from being kind of a, a spammy sort of thing. And after a while, after sending a thousand, two thousand emails, then I kind of switched over to the organic growth and and advertising. I gotcha. So the pitch was 
hey, I'm building this newsletter. Would love to have you be a part of it. It's, a, it's an easier way for you to find guests for your show. Click here to sign up. And it's free. Yes. Okay. After that initial round of cold email, how, I mean, are you sending newsletters every week? Like what's, what's the content of the newsletter if you've been fully, solely focused on the host side? Yeah, so this was interesting. Once I had about 100 to 200 people, I said, well, let me put a newsletter out. I think in that first one, and, and so the structured newsletter was, here are podcasts looking for guests. If you're a fit, click this link to apply to be on a show or to submit yourself. And that link, by the way, went to Google Forms, one of the free tools I was using. And the nice thing there is Google Forms, then you can turn that into a Google Sheet. And so I was just able to give access to the podcaster there to the sheet, and then they had all the information. So I didn't have to touch it once that email went out. I think the first one had four or five podcasts. I said, these five podcasts are looking for guests. This is specifically what they're looking for. If you're interested, click the link. And right off the bat, most of those podcasts got about five to 10 responses. So I was like, hey, there's something here. These podcasters have five, 10 warm leads of people that are interested in their podcast. Maybe not all of them are a fit. But that's not bad for a list of 100, 200 people, and it's only going to grow from here. And so that was what kind of gave me my initial spark where I'm like, okay, now I need to, to scale this. And so I doubled down on doing more emails, and then I tried advertising. And I'm happy to jump into the advertising. I tried several different things, some of which worked, some of which didn't work as well. Well, yeah, let's talk about that and then the, the revenue model you ultimately landed on. So what was the first attempt to, uh, to bring the cash register here? So let's talk about first how I was advertising to get more people to join the service. I tried a few different things. One is we all know Google AdWords. And so I tried Google AdWords. It worked okay. The search volume at the time for podcast guests wasn't all that high. But I, I did do some ads in there. Got some traffic from that, but it really was didn't justify the cost. There's obviously a lot of competition in Google, and it was a lot of work to pick the keywords, keep them coming back, that, that sort of thing. I also used Reddit. You can sponsor the subreddits on Reddit, and there's one that's specifically for podcasters. And so that worked fairly well. I think I, I got new subscribers for 2 to $5, but it also kind of petered out because it was the same people over and over on that subreddit. And so I would say that's a good place if you can find a section on Reddit that's a good fit for you. It's a similar model to Facebook in that it's fairly inexpensive. You just say, here's my budget, here's how much I'll, I'll pay, and then you can start bringing people in. What's worked best for me is Facebook. And there are two things I like about advertising on, on Facebook. One, you can reach just about everyone. And the other is that it's really set it and forget it. You can say, optimize based on the number of signups and go for it. And there are a couple ways you can do this if you're trying to grow a newsletter. So taking a step back from podcasts, and so anyone that's listening that wants to grow their newsletter list, you can do a lead ad, which essentially, it, it doesn't require the Facebook user to really enter information or to even leave facebook.com, where the ad is, hey, sign up for this service. And Facebook, if they click, I'm interested, Facebook, within their feed, pre-populates their email address. I think it even pre-populates their name. And then they just click submit. And you get that as a lead. Since Facebook already has that data connected to their account and their login. They already have that information. Interesting. Exactly. And so you can connect this to MailChimp using a service called Zapier. That's how I pronounce it. I think some people do it differently. 
but it, it'll basically go in. There, there's a small fee. I think it's $20, $25 a month, but it basically links up your Facebook lead ads to MailChimp to automatically add them in. You don't have to use that. You could just download via Excel or a CSV every day their information and put it into your email list. But Zapier makes it almost instantaneous, right? Every 10, 15 minutes it pulls. So that's one way you can do it. The other way is to send them directly to your landing page. And I have found it's more cost-effective, interestingly, for, for me to send them to my landing page and just tell Facebook to optimize based on conversions there. And once they start finding people that are a fit, that are converting, they just go out and find more people like it. What's fascinating to me is I'm trying to get people that either have a podcast or want to be a guest on podcasts. And if you look through their targeting options, you can target people that are interested in podcasts, but you can't really say, only get me podcast hosts and people that want to be a guest on podcasts. But their algorithms figure it out. And I don't have to pick any keywords. I don't have to do anything like that. I just say, here's my budget. And they go out and, and take care of it. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you have a sense of what you're paying for a subscriber for that type of ad? About a dollar fifty. Okay, it sounds like a lot of money is getting plowed into this thing. Yet, are you nervous about the revenue side? Are you like, hey, build it and the? Oh, well, it's it's very profitable now. I mean, I say very right as a one person operation. I mean, I'm I'm plowing you know a thousand dollars into Facebook's ads each month, but a lot of the growth is organic. So on that revenue side, my original plan was, okay, let me let me put some ads in there. That's easy. I understand it. I can charge people maybe a hundred, two hundred dollars. 
that'll be fine. It's, it's a good start. And, and that was the help a reporter model, right? An ad at the top of the email and here's your queries. Exactly, exactly. But I had, I had experts saying, you know, I'd really, this is great. It's a great do-it-yourself platform, but I really like a way to get more exposure rather than just applying to the podcasts that I've hit. And in some cases, the experts are in a topic where it's unlikely that not every week a podcast is popping up that's a fit for them. So they're opening the email. There's not a fit. They're like, oh, this isn't really working for me. So what if I can pay you to be featured in your newsletter and then people can come to me? And I said, well, sure, I'll take your money. And so I think I charged about $200 out of the start for people that wanted to do that. And again, I'm still just using Google Forms at the time. This is for someone to be like the featured guest expert. That's right. That's right. So if you wanted to be on there, you would say, I'm Nick, this is my background. I can talk about side hustles or I could talk about online marketing or I can talk about, here, here's what I can talk about. And so I would feature you in the top of the newsletter. And then if podcasters were interested in having you on their show, they'd click a link that would go to Google Forms and they'd fill out the information. So it was the exact inverse of being a podcaster in there. I was still using the same systems, the same free systems. And then you would get all these leads of people that wanted to have you on their podcast. And then you'd reach out and, and get booked on there. And for the price, it's important to probably note that like there are PR agencies charging people like hundreds of dollars per appearance or like there's a whole, there's a whole industry built around getting people guest spots on podcasts. My competition is, are those people, right? And they charge at least $400 a month to get two, three, four bookings. Most of them are much more expensive. Yeah. Okay. So you're coming in and saying, Hey, I've got this audience of podcasters. If you want to get in front of them as a featured guest, we'll do that starting out at this low, low rate of 200 bucks. Yeah. And in fact, I even guarantee them at least five responses. So at most they were paying $40 per invitation. And if anyone listening, I mean, this, this is a big thing to do now is to be on podcast, right? It's a great way to grow your audience. Uh, it's a great way to get new customers. It's a great way to, to share your insight, that sort of thing. I mean, this is the, the hot thing now, right? So for $40 at most per invitation, people could get booked on, on podcasts. So it, it was a good deal compared to the competition. For sure. Was it scary to make that guarantee? Like if you had somebody who had like just a super obscure area of expertise, like, I don't know, man, if I can get you five. Sometimes I didn't get the five, but the worst case was uh, I was out zero, right? Because it didn't really cost me any incremental cost to put them in the newsletter. So yeah, there wasn't a huge risk to me there. So you just refund them if they didn't get the five. Okay. Exactly. And 90% of people got those five. And so it was, it was very infrequent that I had to refund. So I started talking to people. And at that time, I also went down to a podcast movement conference. It was, well, I don't remember where it was that year, but big conference where a lot of podcasters get together. It was, it was in LA. Now I remember because I met up with a friend who said, what if you created a directory of these experts and podcasters could then just come to them at any point in time? And I thought, well, that's interesting. But directory models, as we talked about earlier, <laughs> can be challenging. And then when I was at the show, I ran into someone who runs kind of an agency where he promotes people. And he's like, I will list 30, 40 people right off the bat in your directory if you do it. Let's sit down and talk about this. So I said, well, okay, there's something here. You can definitely get people in a directory. And then I also had the demand side, which we alluded to earlier, which is, well, people don't want to pay for a directory if there's no demand. But I had my email list. And so every week... I could point people to this directory and say, sign people up. 
which is what I do now. My email has both podcasts that are looking for guests and experts that are looking to get booked. And you can click through to their profile in the directory and invite them directly onto your show. So I realized I had something. I had kind of a guarantee of having 30 paid members here to begin with. And so I reached out to my developer and said, how much would this cost to develop, essentially? So that was going to be about a $10,000 investment. And I said, yeah, let's give it a shot. Okay. So he had to build that whole like payment processing portal and just the interface for it? Yeah. And the membership where people, I wanted it. So people, again, I'm, I'm very much on the, on the platform basis. So I didn't want to have to interact and be involved here. And so people literally sign up, they fill out a profile, just like they're filling out, I don't know, a, a match.com profile. And it's all automated. They can go in at any time and update that. They can renew their subscription. Well, it's, it's auto renews, but they can change their subscription from kind of my basic level to my premium, my premium to my basic. One thing I did was I said, well, why don't I create two levels here? One is just people that want to get in, right? They want to have this profile. And so that's $9 a month. And then I have a premium level, which gives them more exposure. That's $29 a month. And so generally you find, again, getting back to the value of getting booked on one podcast, it's pretty high. And so the people that are serious about it pay $29. The ones that maybe aren't quite as serious about it pay $9 a month. What's the feature spread between those two? So the basic level gets you in the directory and it gets you what, in podcasting, we call it a one sheet, which is kind of a one page marketing overview about you, right? It's you selling you to these podcasters. And so you get in a directory and that directory page basically serves as your, your one sheet. And historically in this industry, and the same thing that these, my competitors that charge $500 plus a month do is they'll create a PDF one sheet. I don't know about you, but in this day and age, if someone sends me something, first of all, I'm, I'm on my mobile phone. So I'm pinching and zooming to try to look at this. And it's also not search friendly. So my pitch to people, hey, for $9 a month, you get in a directory and you get a mobile friendly, search friendly, one sheet you can use. And people will start inviting you on their shows. For $29 a month, not only do you show up above the other people, you also get to select a second category in a directory. And then most importantly, on a rotating basis, I include them in my newsletter. So I include 10 people in the newsletter each week. I just have their picture. And they're kind of one line, two line summary. And then people that are looking through are like, oh, that person's a fit for me. They click through, they invite them on their program. And, and that drives a lot. So getting back to the directory challenge here, that weekly email drives a lot of people to the directory and to specific people's profiles so that they click and invite them onto their show. So the cadence of the sending is once a week, there's still a featured guest spot in there, yes? Where it's like, okay, we can pay a one-off fee for like prominent placement in the newsletter? That's right. So those people that pay $29 a month can pay a one-time fee. It's only 175 And I will feature the profile front and center in that newsletter, kind of the top. And then you've got the 10 smaller features, if you will, of those experts. And then you have, now it's up to eight podcasts that are looking for guests. So you can still use it for free if you want. But if you're serious about it, you, you can pay a small monthly fee to get more exposure. Okay. So I'm at six, 700 bucks a month in those featured guest spots times now 500 people in the membership at this level between nine and $29 a month. Right. You can do the math there, but I can tell you that the, it, it's about a seven to $10,000 a month revenue at this point. Okay. 
Yeah, with very low overhead. You still run it on MailChimp? Still run on MailChimp. Of course, you have to pay once you start getting more people. So I'd say my MailChimp bill is a couple hundred dollars a month, about $1,000 in Facebook ads. And then I actually outsourced the work of putting the newsletter together. So there is a cost there, but it's well worth it. Very nice. So what, is the, what are you spending your time on? Yeah, so this kind of took off, right? It's kind of funny. We can call it a side hustle, but it's just, I only work for myself anyway. So I guess, you know, I, I kind of look at this as one of, my, one of my projects, right? I blog every day on my blog, every weekday. I actually have a couple writers too now on that. I do my podcast. I help my wife with her sole proprietorship business or, or her LLC, her, her self-employment. And then I do this. And so my biggest things that I do on a day-to-day basis on this are I will respond to support inquiries. I could outsource this to the person I've outsourced a newsletter to, but I really feel like I can really keep a pulse on the business if I understand what people are asking questions about. Where are they confused? How can I make things clear? The other thing I do is every invitation that comes in, I actually screen it to make sure that it's not someone spamming. And I probably don't need to do this anymore. I think I've got good enough systems in place that I really think I've maybe denied one in the past four or five months because it was someone trying to sell a product to someone instead. But so whenever those invitations come in, I've got, I had my developer build something. So I just click a link and then I look at the response and approve it or deny it. And I can do that in batches too. I was going to say, there's got to be probably dozens of these flying back and forth every day now. Right. And sometimes someone will will submit 10 invitations in a day because they're they're like, oh, this is great. I just found this service. Let me invite a lot of people. Yeah. So I can kind of batch approve those as well. So so I do do that throughout the day, right? As soon as these emails hit, which as you point out is many times a day, I could get rid of that. But for now, I also like to kind of see what's flowing across. I've outsourced the newsletter process. After doing about 50 or 100 of these, it was, I put them together on Friday to send out Monday and I was just like, oh, do I really have to do this today? <laughs> it's kind of tedious because we also set the people up for promotion on social media and 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 that sort of thing. So I found someone who is well stay at home mom who you know was looking to to keep active and and I was fortunate enough you know I just put that out on Facebook to find a a friend of a friend who is interested in doing that who is overqualified for it but wanted something to do and so I kind of outsource that process now as well. I would say to get this off the ground, there was a lot of elbow grease in this, but at this point, it kind of runs on its own. Yeah, it's interesting. The guerrilla marketing tactics early on to build that initial launch phase, that initial launch list, essentially. And now the systems and processes are in place that, yeah, somebody else can draft the newsletter. Somebody else can ultimately probably handle some of these invitation screening that you're doing, the support inquiries that you're doing. I can see how it would be very hands-off down the road. Yeah, and, and that's the beauty of creating a platform, right? And again, marketplaces are hard if you think, well, we see this in the domain name business, right? So it sounds like you're somewhat familiar with that. People are like, oh, I've got to pay a 15, 20% commission to this marketplace for getting me a buyer for my domain name. Same thing with eBay. They aren't actually lifting a finger, right? There's just computing power there, but they've created this marketplace. And once you create that, it can kind of take on a, a life of its own. Yeah, Absolutely. There are, what's the latest statistic? 750,000 podcasts. So you got lots of room left to grow on this thing. I'll, I'll admit, some of this was lucky timing, right? You know, for, four years ago to start this, podcasts were becoming a big thing, but they've gotten even bigger since then, right? I think there, there's an ecosystem of people involved with podcasts. There are the hosts, 
like you, there are the service providers, there are the hosting companies and that sort of thing. And there's some competition amongst those groups, but there's also kind of this co-opetition, like how, how can we help boost podcasts as a whole, right? And so even though I've, I've referred to these agencies that charge hundreds, if not thousands of dollars a month to get people booked on podcasts as my competition, if someone wants to pay more and they're like, I, I just want someone to do it for me, I say, by all means, here are some companies you can go talk to and I'll refer them on to them. And likewise, some of those people, when they get someone on the phone or like, oh, I just can't spend that much. They're like, well, go try this free service. Go try podcastguests.com. Because we're really serving, there's a do-it-for-me audience and there's a do-it-yourself audience. And I'm the do-it-yourself kind of tool, the platform, and they're a do-it-for-me. You see this on even eBay where there's services where you're like, Man, I don't, I don't want to take pictures come up with my listing things. I don't want to deal with shipping this. So you can actually drop your stuff off at places and they'll take a bigger chunk, but they'll do it all for you. And then there are, there's the option to do it yourself. Use the platform yourself. Right. So here's a, a community you are already a part of as a podcast host. You noticed that it was a personal pain point. I'm looking for guests. I don't, I've tapped out my personal network. There are other people spending money in this space on you know, these kind of cottage PR services and stuff. I will get you booked. And so there's an opportunity to play matchmaker here. I'm, I'm really impressive. And on top of that, a rising tide of podcasting in general, of course, doesn't hurt. But it's like those types of parallels could be applied across any number of different niches. Yeah, I, I think so. And so I would encourage people listening to think about what they know, right? What topics do you know where, and, and this doesn't have to be a matchmaking thing. I, I hope people can take some of these lessons and think about, well, how can I grow an email list and how can I seed a, a directory, that sort of thing. But think about what, what options are there. And I'll say that, I know you mentioned at the top, you're, you're really big on newsletters. It, it's kind of moved from, as marketers, you want to have a big list, right? Everyone's preach, have, have a list, have a list. It's kind of moved to now where people are sending content through email and they're charging for it. And so there are a lot of, especially in the journalism industry, which is something I'm intimately involved with, there are a lot of reporters who have gone out on their own and now they're sending out a newsletter of content rather than just publishing it to the web. And rather than counting on Google to surface their content high up in search engines, you kind of have this direct link. And, and rather than Facebook deciding which of your fans to show your stuff to, you have this kind of direct email link. And now the only gatekeeper is Gmail deciding what's a spam or a promotion or should hit your inbox. Yeah, that's interesting. You're building your own, like you said, your own direct link to to users <laughs> where there's still some algorithm to play, but hopefully less than maybe some of these other models. One of the toughest parts about starting and growing your business is figuring out how to build relationships. As you know, people are more likely to buy from and do business with people they know, like, and trust. But when it comes to networking, where do you start? And what if you're more introverted like me? What if you're more wallflower than social butterfly? Well, there's a recent episode of a great podcast called This is Small Business that walks you through how to figure this stuff out. The episode is called How Networking Can Help You Build and Grow Your Business and Inside 
You'll learn practical tips on how to build business relationships that don't feel so transactional. A couple parts I liked in particular were how to break into those uh, tight little circles at networking events where you're kind of standing around awkwardly on the outside, and then what you should say in a follow-up email to somebody that you meet there. This is Small Business answers a ton of these questions that all entrepreneurs have, like how to use social media to grow your business, how to find your ideal price point, how to know when you're ready to launch your product, and tons more. So give it a follow. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. This edition of the Side Hustle Show is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. That means whether you're just starting out or your side hustle is already growing like crazy, Squarespace takes all things website-related and makes them easy. I want to highlight a few Squarespace features for you. One I knew about and a couple I didn't. First off, where Squarespace really shines is this huge library of professional website templates. That means you're not starting from scratch because they've got designs for every category and use case that you can customize to fit your unique needs so your business stands out online. That was the thing I knew about. Second one was new to me, and that's their online store functionality. Whether you're selling physical or digital products or a service, Squarespace has got the tools you need to start selling online. And third is their email campaigns. They make it easy to collect email subscribers from your site and drive engagement and sales through Squarespace email campaigns, and you can track the results of every send with built-in analytics. So head on over to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash side hustle to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash side hustle. Aside from the Facebook ads, anything else that's spiking the list members or directory members on a, on a marketing level? Other than that, it's almost all organic. Sometimes I'll see like a boost where 10 people sign up for a premium account one day and I'm like, huh, what's going on? And so one of them will email me and they'll say, oh, I heard about you from one of your people that's had a lot of success. Or I'm in this private Facebook group or LinkedIn group of PR people and they recommended this. And so a lot of it's just just word of mouth now. And so if you have users that are having success, they will tell people about your service. And that is driving a lot of growth. And then I've also found, I created a guide a while ago on, on how to be a podcast guest. And a lot of agencies now, they're having their customers, their clients tell them, I want to be on podcast. They don't know why, right? But they know they need to be on podcast. So they're reaching out. And so I think this guide has helped too, because the guide explains, okay, here are the steps you take. But it also, of course, refers back to oh, here's an easy way to create your one sheet. You can go to sign up for an account at podcastguest.com. Or rather than spending all this time doing this, you can sign up for a free account on podcastguest.com, that sort of thing. And so I think that's also driving some of that growth as well. Did that guy who promised to bite off 20 or 30 memberships right out of the gate come through for you? He did. He did. And he he still has quite a few members on there. And now, fortunately, I have other people like him not quite as many people, but some of the companies that help people write a book and help them launch their book, they will use the service. There are a couple of them that pay, they pay that premium upgrade to get the person front and center and get them that exposure in the newsletter. Because I mean, when you think about it, when they can go back and say, hey, I got five podcast bookings for you and they're out of pocket, $200, that's a really good deal for them. 
Yeah, they look they look like a hero all of a sudden. Exactly, exactly. And they didn't have to pick up the phone. Yeah, such a cool platform for relationship building, tapping into other people's audiences who might have not have ever heard of you for SEO purposes, like building a bunch of backlinks that are somewhat relevant to your niche. Lots of reasons to be a guest and as a host, at least in my case, like where you hand me a mic and say monologue for 30 minutes, like that's not going to happen. So I got to got to have somebody to talk to on, on air. Otherwise, it's really difficult. That is at podcastguests.com slash guide is Andrew's uh, free guide on how to be an awesome podcast guest. Recommend you check that out. Recommend you ch- sign up for the list as well. And kind of like I'm a relative, I've been a subscriber for a long time, but I'm a relatively new member of the directory and have gotten probably half a dozen legit invitations so far. It's like, oh, okay, this is this is a thing. So I, I can see how the word of mouth begins to spread. And it's actually the same or similar story that Alex from Morning Brew said about the early days of his newsletter, where it's like he's sending out the Wall Street Journal for the next generation, basically, in a daily news digest type of format. And similar, paying for subscribers at this point. I think they're paying like three bucks for every new subscriber, which was interesting to me that they have a revenue model on the back of that. I don't know if it instantly, but like they see a road to profitability at that rate. But he said that was that was the same thing. Like people wanted to spread the word because they thought it was cool. Like it was adding value to their life. So like, hey, are you signed up for this? You got to you got to read this. Well, and and I think we all do that. And our, if we have a good house cleaning company or lawn mowing company, that sort of thing, we we tend to tell people. And online, that's so much easier, right? And so I think if you can make people really happy and successful, they will tell other people about it. So it's worked well. And another benefit I have, you know, I mentioned that these these paid, these $500 plus a month companies refer people to me, I refer people to them, but there's so many people in the podcast business, if you will, that just want to see it grow. And so if you're a podcast editor, for example, one of the biggest challenges there, I talked to my editor and he's like, I'll get someone on board. I spend all this time onboarding them, learning about them. I edit their podcast. And then after seven episodes, they just give up, right? Because they're out of content. And so if they can get their people connected to an easy resource to find guests, they're more likely to continue podcasting and they're more likely to remain a client. And so there's a benefit there. Same thing goes for podcast hosting companies, you know, the ones that actually hold the audio in the, in the cloud and play it. They need to make sure that their podcasters continue to push out episodes. Otherwise, eventually they'll cancel their subscription, right? So there's a benefit to everyone to keep the content flowing in the business. So have you set up those types of relationships with a Libsyn or a Buzzsprout to say like, hey, as you're onboarding new customers, like, could you make part of your process a pitch over to the come sign up for podcast guests? Yeah, yeah. So I was at, so Podcast Movement, which is a great show, had a kind of their first satellite winter show in LA, let's see, a few weeks ago over Valentine's Day. And so I went down there with kind of the idea in mind of, hey, I need to talk to more of these companies and and get them on board, getting get them to talk about my service. And so I went down there and I, was, I had some great face-to-face conversations, which always works better than email. And I know that one of the hosts said, oh, we're just putting out an article about how to be a guest on podcasts, you know, and, and how to get booked on podcasts. And so can you give us some quotes that we can use for that article? And we'll be sure to link to you, that sort of thing. So I haven't gotten it down to part of anyone's onboarding process, but the more people talk about it, the the better. And I know Libsyn on one of their podcasts when I started mentioned it. And again, that was because I had a 
face-to-face conversation with them at a podcast movement conference. I'm a big believer in going to conferences and the face-to-face, those meetings you can have there are extremely beneficial. When I went to podcast movement my first time, I'm kind of an introvert, right? So it can be hard for me just to walk up to people I don't know and introduce myself. Yes, me too. So awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it can be. So what I did was I looked at, I'm like, okay, what's the cheapest option to get kind of a booth here? And they had this option where you could, they called a kiosk, I guess, where you had a, a miniature booth. So I got a banner out there that said, find podcasts for your guests for free. And it had an image on there. I had a little booth and I had these cards I could hand out to people as they walked by. And I also would sign them up right there when they walked up to me. So the nice thing there was instead of having to go up and approach people, they came up to me. Oh, that's so much better. It's so much better. And, and <laughs> I pushed myself out of my comfort zone. I learned some tricks from, from people that are great marketers. One of them is when you're in a conference session and they have the Q&A at the end, if you stand up and say, hi, I'm Andrew with podcastguest.com and here's my question, then all these people are like, oh, wait, what's that? And they might come up to you afterward. Now, it can be hard to stand up in front of an, an audience. I understand that for some people, but you know, you just... I push myself each time just a just a little bit more to to do that. Okay, I like that. Yeah, that's a little bit of a out of the box thing. Just a way to get your URL in front of a, a wide audience of people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Another trick that's good is if you sit in the front row and the speaker knows you, they might allude to you and they might say, "Well, you know, if you're looking for a service like this, and they see you in the front row, there's Andrew with PodcastGuest.com." That sort of thing. So. I like it. So these kind of relationships, partnerships, anything else that's going to take this from 19, 20,000 subscribers up to 100,000? You know, I I am really looking for that next leg because I would say it's to the point where it's interesting to me from a revenue perspective. It's certainly gotten there. It's probably doubled over the past year. A year ago, it wasn't all that. I mean, it was nice, but it wasn't all that interesting. So I'm looking for for the next leg without becoming, while remaining a platform. Right. So there, there are other services I, I can provide here, but I don't want to have to spend a lot of time on them. I don't want them to be something I have to manually fulfill. And so I'm looking at how can I help podcasters with other things they need help with, whether that's finding sponsors or, or other things. What I prefer to do there is to partner with, say, a podcast advertising agency rather than do it myself. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. Rather than how can I double my subscribers, I'm thinking more, how can I double my, my revenue? And so I'm getting ready to send out a survey to my audience, asking them questions, how, they, how I can help them more. And that, that's really how I figured out how to grow the business and make money from it in the past, is listening to my users and figuring out what their pain points are and then trying to help them. Absolutely. We'll head on over to podcastguests.com. Check it out podcastguests.com slash guide is Andrew's free guide on how to be an awesome podcast guest. Again, fantastic platform. You know, I'm not just saying that as a host, but also as somebody who's been a guest on a bunch of different shows, it really is a powerful medium. So impressed with, with what you built over there and I appreciate you joining me here. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. My number one tip is to just get it out there. So again, I'm a big advocate of the minimum viable product. I got a a service out there. I could have messed around for another year trying to make it perfect when I didn't even know what the model was. Just use off-the-shelf resources you have out there to get your product out there, your idea, your service, and test it 
and then worry about making it better when it takes off. Absolutely. That's how it works. Andrew, thanks so much. And we'll catch up with you soon. All right. My top three takeaways from this call with Andrew. Number one is rip, pivot, and jam. This is one of my all-time favorite business idea generating frameworks. And it's another nugget that I picked up from the Tropical MBA podcast. How it works is you look at another business that you think is interesting, another business that you think is compelling, and you rip off the broad strokes idea of it. Then you pivot it, and that's the important part, to another niche or industry or location, and then you jam. Then you go do the work. In Andrew's case, podcast guests drew inspiration from Help a Reporter, which, if you're not familiar, it's a long-running email newsletter. They'll send you three emails a day trying to match journalists with expert sources. So what businesses do you like today? What do you find helpful? Could you put your own unique pivot on that and breathe new life into an already-been-done idea? That was takeaway number one for me, this rip, pivot, and jam idea. Takeaway number two is that audience equals options. So many doors open up to you once you have people paying attention, and not even a lot of attention. Podcast guests is one email out of probably hundreds that Andrew's subscribers get every week, but it's enough. It's enough that they helped steer the direction of the business, and I know it's super cliche advice to say, ask your audience when you're trying to figure out what content to create or what product to sell, but there's a reason for that. It works. They'll tell you what they want, what they really, really want, sorry. (laughs) But to Andrew's point, where he invested his cash and his energy up front was in building that initial audience. I believe that this type of newsletter business is uh, one of the lowest overhead models to get off the ground. And you could go out and find a group of people interested in just about any topic on the planet. And then once you've got the audience, you've got options. Takeaway number three for me was to show up. And there's a few different ways I mean that based on this conversation. The first is the kind of ground level, one-on-one outreach and marketing. So sure, Andrew had some help in figuring out the contact information for podcasters, but it was still him drafting at least semi-personalized emails and him sticking his neck out there as the name and the face of this unknown brand. It's a ton of effort early on to try and get that big flywheel spinning But once it has some momentum, it becomes way easier. And this is true on just about everything that I've ever launched. So that's one way that he showed up, kind of this ground level one-on-one outreach. Another way was by physically going to podcasting events. He was already part of the community by virtue of being a podcast host, but he mentioned the importance of face-to-face meetings for relationship building in the community. If there's a group you want to serve and they're hanging out without you, you gotta show up. The third way that Andrew demonstrated this takeaway of showing up was in providing a genuinely helpful resource. And he knew he was onto something really early on with just a couple hundred subscribers. So if you get to that point and you aren't seeing the traction or the engagement or the path to revenue, maybe it's time to think about how you're showing up. Is this a valuable addition to somebody's inbox or is it just more noise, like trying to sell an ad? So that was takeaway number three for me, show up and lots of different ways to do that. Once again, the full text summary along with all the links to resources mentioned in this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash Andrew. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen and I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.